Our reading today is taken from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 6, verses 5 to 15. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let's pray. As we come to your living word this morning, Lord, we humbly pray that you would speak and that by your spirit we would hear. Amen. Lead me into temptation just one more time. Lead me up close through circumstances beyond my control. Lead me, then leave me. Deliver me from escape. Increase my ignorance. Limit my will. Make me the victim of a victimless crime. Leave me till sin is the only way out. Give me a taste of what to avoid. Leave me till it's your fault. Yet guilt floods me like a chill. And then lead me back into temptation just one more time. Your response to the Steve Turner poem that I've just read to you may well have been, you can't pray that. You can't pray that God will lead you into temptation just one more time. Because God doesn't lead us into temptation. Even those who are not followers of Christ will know that it's that other one that does that, isn't it? And for those of us who are followers of Christ and might know our scripture, the words of the letter of James might come to mind. James 1 verse 13, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. And then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
And herein lies our perplexity or our problem with this part of the Lord's Prayer that we're focusing on here this morning. How to make sense of this petition, this request to God to lead us not into temptation. Now, various ways of explaining this have been suggested by many and varied learned people over many, many years. And just to say at this early stage in the proceedings, to take the pressure off, I don't know uh, what the answer to this is. Um, But what I'm going to share with you this morning is the stuff that I do know. As I prepared, though, there were a couple of insights that I found really quite helpful around the wording of this part of the Lord's Prayer. And so I'm just going to share them very briefly with you at the start. I've got a PowerPoint slide which illustrates this. Now, the Greek word that's used in Matthew 6.13 and Luke 11 verse 4 is translated in the NIV as temptation. And so we have, and lead us not into temptation. But this word can be translated in several different ways. And this is reflected in some different versions of the text. So in the NRSV, which is the second uh, of those translations, we have the word trial instead of temptation. Do not bring us to the time of trial. And uh, another way in which uh, this Greek word can be translated is by the word test. And so I think it's in the Good News Bible we have, and do not lead us to hard testing. Thank you. So in the New Testament, only one Greek word is used to denote testing, trial, and temptation. And translators have to make decisions um, about which word to use as best they can, according to the context that the word is being used in. And for this reason, you'll often find a footnote, uh, a note at the bottom of the page or in the margin of your Bible to that effect. The second point I just wanted to share with you, which I found quite enlightening, concerns the words translated, lead us. Now, although the New Testament accounts are written in Greek, Jesus would have spoken Aramaic. And in Aramaic, the word for leaders can have two slightly different shades of meaning. And the first meaning is to cause us to go, which does sound very much as if we are being led into something, doesn't it? But the other shade of meaning is do not permit us to go. And I think you'll agree that there's a subtle but quite significant difference in those shades of meaning. If we pray, do not permit us to go into temptation, it gives much more of a sense of our Father holding us back, asking him to keep us from the path of temptation. And I don't know about you, but I find that quite a helpful way of thinking about this request. That we would ask our Father not to allow us 
not to permit us to go into temptation. And by the way, the insight about the Aramaic came from this wonderful book. I don't know if any of you have ever come across it. Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes by Kenneth Bailey. If you're interested, I can thoroughly recommend it. It's got some really illuminating things to say about not only the Lord's Prayer, but also about the parables. Okay, that's enough. That's the end of looking at the semantics, looking at the language stuff. And I just want to move on now to share a couple of simple, probably very, very obvious things which struck me as I considered this part of the Lord's Prayer. And the first one is this, that this is a part of the prayer that is really very honest about the dangers and the difficulties that we encounter on our journey as followers of Jesus. Sometimes I wonder if in our real desire, and it's a good desire, to share the good news Salvation can sometimes be presented as a kind of helpful solution to all that ails us. But in this part of the prayer, where we ask for help and deliverance in time of trial, we're reminded that salvation in Christ is an adventure and a journey and that it contains real peril along the way. And it also reminds us that when we embark on it, we become part of a much larger drama in which there's a real enemy who would come to steal and to destroy and to rob us of all that is good. This is a prayer that recognizes the reality and the power of evil. And although we know, according to scripture, how the whole thing will end, the evil has finally been defeated through the work of Christ on the cross, there are still battles and opposition to be faced along the way. And as those who follow Christ, as pilgrims on the way, we will face trials, testing and temptation. It's a bit like those old maps that were marked with places that said, here be dragons. On our journey, we're going to encounter both obstacles and enticements along the way. A wise old Jewish writer said, my child, if you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for testing. Or as Jesus put it, in this world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world. I find, I think in advertising especially, and for obvious reasons, the idea of temptation is often trivialized and minimized. Sometimes it's caricatured, represented, you know, by the image of an angel on one shoulder and a devil, you know, horns and pitchfork on the other as the advertisers try to tempt us to buy, I don't know, chocolate or yogurt or something. But what is referred to here is not trivial. This is serious stuff. 
Some commentators regard this petition in the Lord's Prayer to relate to a specific, significant time of trial, which will take place in what is often referred to as the end times. And that may be. But on the way, we all encounter temptation. Excuse me. Trials of various kinds. And experiences that can severely test our loyalty to God. And even our faith in God. And I think that's especially true as we try to live according to the principles of the kingdom of God. Something of which we learn of in the Lord's Prayer. In a world that doesn't understand or share those values. And we also have to acknowledge that while some of that evil is out there, it is also active and present within ourselves, within us. Eugene Peterson's expression of this petition in the message brings this out. He says, keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Secondly, this is a prayer that is honest about our own weakness in the face of such temptations, trials, and times of testing. In this petition, we ask for God's leading and help in the knowledge that we will find it very difficult to withstand and stand in these things. James, not far on from that bit we read about God not tempting us, urges us to consider it all joy when we face trials. Same word, by the way, trials, temptation, same one word used there. He says that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. But I don't believe that that perspective Having that perspective on our trials is the same thing as putting our hands up to volunteer, to say, I'll be the next one to volunteer for a shed load of that, Lord. And in actual fact, Jesus tells us to pray that we might be spared from temptation, hard testing, trials. It's a prayer that acknowledges the difficulties and the dangers and our weakness in the face of them. And the third simple but really significant perspective is that when we pray this part of the Lord's Prayer, we do it in the knowledge that the one who told us to pray this way who taught us to pray this prayer, and the one who intercedes for us when we pray it, knows what it is to face temptation, trial, and testing. In fact, that may well be the reason he urges us to pray that way, because he knows. In a real flesh and blood, intimate way, what it is like to be tempted 
and tested. Listen to the scripture, Matthew 4, verses 1 through to 11, after the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand right up on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. And those angels, they came and attended to Jesus. And wherever Jesus went announcing the kingdom, he was faced with opposition with criticism, with attack from his enemies. And, of course, he even experienced satanic opposition through one of his own friends, one of his own followers. Do you remember? When Peter suggested that Jesus might not suffer and die in his horror, that that might happen to his Lord, Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. I don't know about you, I always feel really sorry for Peter at that point. I think, come on, Jesus, that was a bit harsh. You know, he didn't, he didn't understand, Peter didn't understand. Be a bit more loving in your rebuke, a bit more pastoral. But of course, the point here is that this response reflects the degree of temptation represented by that. The temptation that Jesus must have felt to walk off the costly, painful path of obedience that was going to lead to death on a cross. And then, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where we find Jesus facing his most significant significant trial on our behalf. And what do we find him doing? We find him praying to his Father in heaven. And we hear him again and again urging his friends, 
his disciples to do the same, to do likewise. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And here we hear, don't we, those echoes of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples then and us now to pray. He urges them repeatedly to watch and pray in order that they might not fall into temptation. And notice too that in his own prayer, he makes a plea, he makes a petition to be spared the trial that he faces But he follows that plea with the words, your will be done. And we've heard those words somewhere before too, haven't we? Jesus has been there. He goes ahead. And when he faces trials and temptations, he prays to his Father in heaven. And he urges us to do the same. And one final but really important thing before I finish. We pray this petition in the Lord's Prayer in the knowledge that even and if and when we fail, Jesus, who was not delivered from evil, but who entered it for our sake, has nevertheless finally defeated evil. And that when we fail, he is faithful to forgive. As followers of Christ, as those who seek to follow his way, like him, you will face temptation. They'll be your own ones. They might not be about power, And how to exercise it as they were with Jesus. Your trials and your tests will be pertinent to you. But the advice is the same. Pray, pray, pray. 
to your Father in heaven, that he might lead you and protect you and strengthen you. In closing, I want to invite you to say the words of a version of the Lord's Prayer that comes from New Zealand. And it's just the words of the petition that we've been focusing on. I've put the words onto a PowerPoint slide. What I'll do is I'll read the words first so you can decide whether you want to say them or not. And then once I've read them through, if you wish to, then perhaps pray them with me and then add your own Amen. The words are these. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, save us. Let's pray. Our Father, in times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, save us. Amen.